Sabrina Runbeck is a cardiothoracic surgery PA with more than 10 years of experience in public health and neuroscience. She is also the author of Asian Women Who Boss Up, a book about Asian women overcoming difficulties and inspiring change. Sabrina will discuss how she has overcome burnout and a draining career while still being able to do the one thing she loves most, improve people's lives. everyone. Welcome back to Lady Empire. I have such an amazing guest here with me today. Sabrina, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me and for all the ladies listening. Thank you. You choose us instead of doing something else or you choose to make your hands busy, feet busy, but you open your ears to us. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I just want to start off with you telling us a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing and if this sort of affected your career path in any way. I'm so glad that you asked that. I think all of us in our journal to become an individual, all our culture plays a part, but it doesn't define us. And our family plays a part, our neighbors play a part, but really we can choose to be the driver in our own seat. And that being said, yes, everything makes you who you are, right? And then I grew up in the family. I'm an only child, only girl, and all my cousins now boys. And in the competitors of of Asian families, specifically, people think, oh, boys should be the one who's taking care of things. Um, You, as long as you have a good grades, get a good job, uh, marry off, right? Have your own kids that your life should be set. And I'm the rebellious type of, no, yeah, right? (laughs) Like uh, I can be as smart as they are. And then guess what? I end up having a way more degrees in any of the boys in my family. (laughs) So I'm the one who didn't stop, got two bachelors, two masters, got into medicine, and I think throughout my journey, yes, there are concepts of why don't you go to statistics? Why don't you become a lawyer? Why don't you do X, Y, Z? I'm like, actually, I wanted to get into medicine now because the influence from my family. Actually, no one in my family is in medicine except distant uncles and cousins. Uh, and all my family is in academia, um, policy, and business. And so how did I kind of took a turn into that realm because in high school and college, I'm someone who always wanted to discover what are the things out there that actually work for us. Because the number one question we always ask since we were a kid is, what do you want to do when you grow up? We focus so much on the doing part instead of who do you want to be? when you grow up. So I took out the opportunity because I have such big alumni network from both uh, undergrad and high school. I would start to shadow to have different work opportunity in the winter and summer terms just to see what's going on out there. And I just become so infatuated with medicine and especially surgery and that hands-on component of, wow, 
we're really doing something right away. And now the society of get things done, right? Like, but we also know surgery is not the most definitive. We only do surgery because that can improve your quality of life, or there's really no other alternative. Um, and um, I really wanted to do heart surgery. And people think I'm crazy, even families or uh, uh, friends. They're like, why do you want to go into medicine and pick the most difficult subspecialty where you're on your feet all the time things can happen any minute right people don't don't go turn turn the other corner right yeah and and then yes we see a lot of patients do really well but is that sheer stress why would you want to put yourself through that stress and I never thought as a stress component but how amazing is that when people come to us and they really have no options for their heart and lung issues. And we're the one who can take them through that. And the other side is, do you have the will to make sure that you can get through this? Um, because surgery in itself is not the hardest thing, it's recovery. So uh, I definitely start to go down the path of being in medicine, doing surgery. And um, then what is my old pattern of always on, always going, I start burning out <laughs> way too early, right? Thinking you can do everything. I feel like women, especially we're like super women. We can yeah. have everything. We'll do everything. You, you tell me something, I'll, I'll make sure it's getting it done. But start losing. Why do we even do that? Is that really aligned with who I am, what I wanted to achieve? How do I want to show up? We stop asking ourselves these questions. Um, and that's why I went back before medicine. I did uh, my background is in neuroscience and public health. So that kind of flipped the switch of, hmm, how do I incorporate what I already know, what I already have back to this passion that I have for medicine and kind of turn that around instead of losing the emotional tight and the empathy side of me that instead of being a human to help someone, then you become a machine. And it's not even just in medicine, right? So many of us uh, have the similar experience in that field of passion. They started, but slowly derailed. Right. And I want to talk a little bit about your role in medicine, a little more specifically. Um, so you work as a cardiothoracic surgery PA, uh, physician associate. So Tell us a little bit about specifically what this role entails and some of the real major challenges that you are facing within this role. PAE has been ranked many years as the best master you can have, right, by uh, US News Report. And it truly is. This field has been evolving. Now, back in the day when the fellows and residents don't have a cap time, they are working 27, most of them sleep in the hospital until they're capped at 80 hours a week. That's still a whole lot of hours. So how do you substitute the need for someone who covers patients day, night, weekend, holidays, is to create additional branches of providers, medical clinicians to subsidize that. So then you have the born of nurse practitioner and PAs. And uh, our role, we are really similar to a, our attendings in a way of we can prescribe, we can diagnose, um, we can do procedures, and we can operate. Now, 
Um, specifically in CT surgery, I think I love so much because we have one of the most autonomy, most hands-on experience as compared to some other subspecialty. Because for example, a heart and lung by, uh, sorry, coronary artery bypass procedure is to prevent people who have heart attack or they do have really, really tight uh, blockages in their arteries that supplies blood to the heart muscles. We have to go in there. There's such tiny vessels. You can't just take the plaques out. It would be too dangerous. So we create these additional pathway for the blood to flow to these muscles, just like you're driving down a highway. There's a jam traffic, right? What do we do? Go take a detour. So we'll create this detour for you. And these detour, actually PAs do that. So I can use a scope to take a piece of vein out uh, or take a piece of artery on the forearm out. And now we can sew it onto the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and some PAs, they can also open and close the chest, right? And some ortho work there uh, when we close skin, some cosmetic work there. So you really have a combination of things. And plus those who run the ICU, right? Intensive care unit. Um, if people become really sick, you do have to put in a bigger catheter. So then you can infuse medication or do dialysis, whatnot. And those are the even intubate. So there's so many things that uh, a PA can do because you're trained as a a physician and um, you don't have as many years of residency as a physician. That's why we always have a collaborator. But in medicine, really, you do have to work in teams, Uh, just like anything, right? Like if we wanted to work by ourselves, yeah, it can be done. You're just going to take a lot longer time and more stressed. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I want to bring up how you sort of mentioned, you know, it could be up to 80 hour weeks, holidays, weekends, day and night. Do you think this role has sort of put a toll on your mental health or did you ever get in a place where you just mentally weren't, you know, functioning properly because of this role? Yeah, I was that way when I was earlier on in my career. I think that also was the pivotal moment where I start changing my career to go beyond clinical medicine and then to what I do now. And uh, I know there's a f- it's about five years ago, I was someone who doing one case after another, running between outpatients, seeing um, pre-op, uh, consulting or post-op and running in the hospital, make sure uh, everybody in-house are taken care of. And then you scrubbing in, in your uh, surgery cases. And because things run so efficiently, right? You barely have 10 minutes just to chuck a protein shake before you have to jump into something else. So that was the mentality of, oh my gosh, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? If I build a team, yes, I was the one who going through many different organizations to propose changes and really work out how big the team should be. Who do, uh, how do we create boundaries? And it takes time. So can we be honest with ourselves to not stress ourselves so much and realizing everything that we did, we did it to ourselves. If we continuously to blame the system, to blame the uh, a uh, we have to take so much time to even write notes, review, right? Blame everything else. Then we are never going to be in control of where we are. So I remember one day I was so sick 
And it was hardly eight o'clock in the morning. I was just exhausted. I was just feeling like that tingling sensation, but I was still scrubbed in with my hands inside a patient's open chest. Mm-hmm. And remember the day of just get through this, right? And typically, I'm someone who's talking, listen to music, and when the Nurse is like, oh, Sabrina's quiet. Not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like coughing over on the corner and they're passing me medication just to put under our masks. And um, the next day, of course, fever didn't break. I was sweating all night long and I had to convince myself I had to call out sick. And you've also felt a sense of guilt. Like, oh, geez, what was going to happen? Right? Like, yeah, it's so much thing to do. And when I got on the phone, what my boss answered was, oh, Sabrina, you didn't thought to tell me this sooner. Should you be planning this if you already know you're sick? And I thought like that was the step in a heart, in a way of, wow, we talk about advocating for our patients. We talk about um how do you encourage them, right? Like, how do you protect them? How do you really think for them? But when it comes down to work, we're not really doing that with our peers. And how often do we even give ourselves the grace to say, well, we're just another human. We're not superhuman, mm-hmm. right? Um, and um, I start realizing, hmm, is this how I see my life? This is not a face anymore. This is my career. This is how I'm living. And the initial idea was if we're young, no worry, just hustle out for a few years, build up your CV and you can go to something better. Mm -hmm. But are we always going to have the grass is better on the other side? How do you even know? There is a version of better where you just have to simply continue to adapt and morph and set new boundaries for the people around you. And that's why I went back to my root in neuroscience and public health, because my thesis back then was uh, self-care, self-efficacy and health um, efficacy. And it it just become so ludicrous to think about, wow, I had all this done. But when I myself went into my prime career, when the stress, everything come down to me, you start forgetting everything in the back of your head, right? So that's why we say there's so many broken geniuses. It's not about your IQ, your experience anymore. It's actually, do you even have the tools to pull yourself out of the fire when they come? And do you even recognize it? And I think one of the major issues with healthcare is that we almost expect healthcare workers to perform like this and to work 80 hours a week and be there for us day and night and holidays. It's almost, we've all created this expectation out of them. And it's just so crazy to think about what that does to their mental health, their everyday life, their wellness. Um, I mean, it's just so crazy what healthcare workers are going through and what they have been going through for many years. And I feel like now it's just all coming to light, especially during this pandemic. And so I want to talk about, um, you know, what's your opinion on this shortage of healthcare workers, especially now during this pandemic, when we really need 
healthcare workers that we can trust and rely on? Why do you think, or, you know, what do you think about this shortage of healthcare workers right now? Definitely was more, even more of a trouble when we just started lockdown. Um, people have to pivot, people have to think differently. Do how can we do telemedicine, right? There's a whole boom. And then you're going to have different debate on is that even legit? Is that going to be a HIPAA compliant, right? Security and are people profit out of it? And, and then there's all the negative thoughts. People start going down that way instead of thinking, hey, we're giving you access you actually probably have easier access instead of waiting two hours in a doctor's office or hospital, ER, whatnot. You you don't even have to drive through traffic, right? You have the ability to talk to someone in the palm of your hand with your phone or set up a computer, webcam, and it's so doable. And that goes into even beyond medicine, it goes into dental, chiropractic, um, functional medicine, and acupuncture, all these other specialties. And some people think they're complementary. No, they're also core, different way to treating your health. And people start knowing we don't need to be in a place of lack. But nevertheless, we have seen is um, a round of cuts some people losing, even healthcare professional losing jobs. And then you start noticing a lot of us do what? Travel job now. Well, because y- you know there's a shortage, you start reflecting what I used to do 60, 80 hours. Eh, we don't, it's not the same reward. You can't function that way all the time. So how do you get to a place of efficient and you still feel like you're connecting to who you are as a person, as a provider, uh, as a healthcare professional who save lives or simply alleviate some pain or discomfort and still have your own version of life and not feeling like your work is life in itself and then you have nothing else. I think that's why I started pivoting. Also, now I start speaking back in 2018, but I really started to, especially with COVID, reformat it into how can we, especially for a private practice owner and their team, to train the mental fitness, right, from the positive psychology, neuroscience, and cognitive behavior science side, how can we train our mind? So our whole team and the leaders in those teams can be so productive, efficient, and save themselves 10 hours back each week. And then with that extra 10 hours, whoo, there's so much you can do. And you don't even have to do things, right? We're human beings. We're not human doings. So when you have those time, maybe all you need is all those hours you never slept. You can start to even them out, right? Have your seven and a half hours of sleep or whatever get that sleep cycle uh, hour minutes for you. And when you know golf is your favorite sport, now instead of feeling, oh yeah, I might make it. Now you can actually block time to do what you love to do and not feeling like, oh, I'll just wait until this next project, until the next vacation. Who knows when is that ever going to come, right? So I, I totally believe now is the time, okay, there is a shortage. Um, we are doing many different ways to fill the shortage. 
But at the end of the day, how are we seeing our own value of our time? How are we seeing、um, we can create these complementary services for each other? And I think it's so interesting how this pandemic has sort of shifted. Everyone's workspace, like you said, doctors can turn to telemedicine.、Um, even in my industry, you know, there's work from home options and setting up your own home office. And people are just starting to realize how much time and energy they're saving by using these different options and by being more efficient in those ways.、Um, exactly. And then we can really ask, what does that mean to time? Time freedom, right? What does that even look like for you? How important is that? How valuable is it to you? Right, and kind of just going off of time freedom, I want to ask how you think healthcare workers can improve their personal lives by overcoming burnout. What can they do to sort of avoid this overstressed, overworked feeling of just burnout? Yeah, there's so many experts now, specifically being focused on these areas, and I'm glad that if for the past two years people really recognizing. Now, I don't really think we should treat burnout as a negative thing or even talk about because a lot of us are actually very high functioning, so we feel the stress, but we're not necessarily gonna go down this three level of burnout state, right? But and therefore they don't even want to recognize how preventative. Things can really be there to help them to get to the next level and not feeling stuck. So the way that I work with my clients, some of them can run a very traditional home-based、uh, practice, right? They might have a few doctors with them, and some of them have multiple, multiple practices. Uh, and through all the country, and so it really doesn't matter which state. Of their practice or career at this fundamental basic thing need to be updated. I always thinking is if you wanted to learn more into your life. Oh, I need to be healthier. I need to be a better father. I need to be a better leader, and I need to be a, a better clinician. Those are all different applications. But if your computer software is still back in the 1990s, they won't communicate. It won't work. Right, because you don't have the foundation to get there, and your ninety-nine days is because that's what you used to learn. That's what when we're in school or other phases of our life, it worked. So we thought if it worked back then, it should work now, but not necessarily. So the six-step course-step process I take to people through is number one is redefine your desire. When we start losing our aim, our focus. That's when we start saying yes to everything. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Oh, it sounds like something I like to do. And but they're not necessities; they're just good to have, right?、Mm-hmm. And until we understand the true necessity of what we truly want—the lifestyle, the people, the time factor—as you say—then we can be very honest to accept those and use those as our north and start. And then the second step is. When we become so clear, how do we just keep going instead of having that New Year resolution thing or ooh quarterly goals? But then you go into a few weeks, you're like,、eh, yeah, feel good, right? <laughs>、yeah. If in psychology we said our future self and our past self 
is in rebellious against each other. Because you're right now, I might think, oh, losing ten pounds it sounds great. And then when you have to think about how part, you need to put on your shoes, get up early, and then that moment of yourself like, what the heck did I make myself do this?、Yeah. I really want to sleep more, right? <laughs> so it's about how do you continue to create, recreate that momentum so you don't stop. And the third step is become. Out up here, right? How do you reboot your mental fitness so even you can have the momentum to keep going? There's always going to be fire, roadblocks, and when you do have those things, it's no longer like so anxious and criticize ourselves for not being able to solve it, but recognize there are ten category of sabotaging tendencies. And once we know them, we can diminish them, and we can use neural remodulating. Exercise to pivot us into that more strong, what we call sage, right? These core, primary five, foundation of self to be empathetic, be activating, be more innovative to solve your own problem, and then you can really control with the course of life、uh, for the next phase. And then after the, after that, we control our mind. Now that is about our energy, right? The most. People always tell me, Sabrina,、uh, if only I have more time, if I only have more energy, I should be further along already. Like, hmm, really? But when is the best time? When's the highest energy? Do you even know your natural energy cycle? Do you even know there's only two to three hours of peak performance time in your day? You probably already wasted. You probably have like so much going on. You don't even know. You don't even feel that. So really. Get people back into leveraging on what you're already really good at. Find out what works for you, and teach you about these exercises within two to five minutes. Boom, you're back. Like you, you feel calm, you're focused, and no longer of, oh yeah, I have ten browsers open. Give me five minutes. Let me finish these emails and these notes. Then five minutes goes by. Wow. No, no, give me another five minutes. I'm not done yet. How does five minutes go by so fast, right?、Um, and then we truly go into productivity side. How do you reboot your efficiency, right? How do you get to that point that you just know this will happen, and then there's no distraction, no disinterest, no drivefall. We truly live into our desire zone and not everything else.、Uh, and sadly to say, most people live. Everywhere else, but their desire zone, and then we make excuses of thinking, "Oh, I have to do these things I don't like,"、um, and then not thinking, "Well, okay, you can keep doing the things you don't like, you're not skilled at, and you, and then you can't sustain that, right?" And that's what kills our momentum in the beginning.、Um, and then lastly, once you have like entire package, knowing where you need our aim, knowing how to keep going. Knowing how to master psychology, you don't stop yourself、uh, despite the fires, and knowing your true energy cycle, so you're in the best place you can be. And then now you know how to say yes and no, truly living in your desire. Nice what? How do we have the right people in our lives so makes things easier, right? Makes things just so much more enjoyable, and everyone can be elevated. So then we talk about how do you not become an accidental diminisher, but true magnet. For the right people in your life, and say no to the wrong ones. Absolutely, and everything you just went over is so fascinating. And I think 
a lot of it we don't think about, right? Like your example of, oh yeah, I want to lose 10 pounds. And then you start to think about all the things you have to do in order to do that. And you already set yourself up for failure before you've even started. Um, So that is just so fascinating. And I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the other side of your career and what you're doing. Um, You are a keynote speaker and you sort of started out with an organization called Toastmasters. Um, And I have researched Toastmasters and have always thought about doing it, but I just can't find the confidence to do so. So I want to hear... Um, about your experience with Toastmasters and how you sort of got interested in doing it and, um, you know, how you gained that confidence into even signing up for Toastmasters. I believe Toastmaster is such a easy way for you to build speaking skills. And one of the biggest fear for many of us is public speaking. Now, because we take ourselves out of Uh, the equation of, wow, I'm someone who's speaking to the crowd. But actually, in reality, is that no one really see you as talking to the crowd. They see it as you talking to them. And then it's all about that message. If you don't say it, someone's going to miss that opportunity of hearing it. Someone needs to hear your message. And so instead of developing fear and speaking skill is in everything that we do. You get yourself a promotion, you get yourself that job, you are doing sales, right? Even if you think about sales is every moment, every day, you want to go to this new restaurant. You have to sell the idea to your friends and your partners, right? And same thing, if you want, we were talking about earlier, we have dogs, right? Even just having dogs in our life, you might have to sell yourself the idea of you have to walk them at least twice a day, feed them, vet bills, all right? You you really have to sell yourself from taking out those responsibility of being a fur parent. And uh, so sales, all it matters is speaking. It's about value, proposition, getting the idea across. So that's why I believe Toastmaster is an easy way I also gone through 30,000 high-end expensive speaking programs, right? Where if for uh, professional speakers versus Toastmaster is a low commitment of, I think it's about $50 uh, every six months, right? And um, there are so many chapters out there. And due to COVID, we also went virtual. So now you have... Um, clubs that run uh, hybrid or you if you really wanted to get a sense of in person you can practice it's all about non-judgmental way of giving critique on your body language on how you see your energy with other people making the eye contact use everything that you got uh, and how well your speaking is flowing through different topics and they have different tracks now right leadership um productivity, coaching, and and you can even do competition if you wanted to really, you know, end up your speaking ability. So it's somewhere that no matter what career field you have, uh, we have Toastmaster in many medicine uh, chapter as well, hospital-based, and then you have um, um, individual career banking or just like a mix of anything from the community 
and they also meet at different time of the week of the day. You really can just check out multiple chapter until you find one that you really connect out with, with the people and the time that work for you, or if they're virtual versus in person, and just give it a try. And I think Toastmasters can be helpful for anyone in any industry, right? You don't have to be in business. You don't have to be um, in sales. I mean, it works for people in medicine. It works for anyone in any industry who wants to improve on communicating with people and learning how to communicate with certain people as well. So um, I definitely, I think you um, amped up my confidence a little bit. Um, (laughs) I'll keep working on it. We'll see if I'll join um, once I sort of gain some more confidence and experience, I think. So we always talk about actually uh, confidence is need to, doesn't actually need to be developed in a way to do. It's about the, taking these micro steps, right? So the micro step could be just go attend an event. You don't really have to even pay a membership due to go to see what's happening, how they run these events, uh, what are the time frames uh, to be concise in what do you say, communicate, right? And so those are the skills that we're developing. And now to have all the tongue clicks, the so's, uh, um, mm, and then, right? Like it's, it's things you don't even notice, but people start pointing out to you. Then we can pause if we really don't have nothing to say and it's okay <laughs> to pause, reformat and keep going. That's the amazing thing about taking micro step. I'm just going to watch it. And then the next step, oh, then our brain recognize it's not bad. I understand it better, right? That means what? You start building competency and that competency will give you the confidence that do more. And maybe uh, then after you check out a couple of clubs, I just want to sign up for a speaker. Whether you wanted to completely prepare, write everything down or just bullet point, right? I teach people just like go with bullet point so you don't feel like you have memorized your whole speech and give a whirlwind, right? And, and it's this really safe place. And the, the whole goal is for yourself, girls, not for anybody else. Who cares what they truly say, but they're supposed to give you the positive feedbacks. Absolutely. And you're right. The first step is just showing up. So if I can do that, I've started the process at least. So <laughs> um, so now I want to talk about um, your book that you are a co-author on called Asian Women Who Boss Up. Um, so tell us a little bit about this book and all the different stories and your story specifically um, and kind of just why this book got started and how it got started. Yeah, thank you. I think this book, it was a surprise to me. I never thought I'm going to be an author. I'm too much a chatty person. So I'm a speaker. I can really create some a speech and make things happen. But me writing. Hmm, that's a challenge. <laughs> I remember back in high school, uh, no, no, college, I'm, I'm always have the social chair role in anything. And I was the RA. So I'll make these giant posters about these uh, events I'm creating. And people would literally use a black marker correcting my spelling or something on the poster. I'm like, guys, you got it. I'm not going to print this giant poster again. <laughs> so I never thought I'm going to write. 
And when this book idea came along, is that first of all, women we carry on so much in our shoulders. We feel like we should be superwomen, and we have these molds we have to fit. We don't have to, and then it comes to how many Asian women have been showing up because it's a culture of seeing men should be the dominant, men should、um, be the front, the、uh, head of household, and and not really seeing women. There are plenty of women leaders, and there's so many career field. It doesn't have to be the traditional engineering, medicine, law, business. There's so many different. Areas and even my mom, when I start to speak, go on、uh, Fox News, all, all these engagements, she's like, "This is really great. Do you get paid for it?" Like, mom, some people have to be paid to even get on those platforms, <laughs> right? Like the the thought process from the age of those different generations is、mm-hmm. very different of how we use resources to build our authority to build who we are is different. So this book came along is one of the co-author on the book is a friend of mine, and she thought, "Hey,、um, really, we just really believe in each other's work." And she approached me about it, and that's during COVID time.、And、it was so amazing that our、um, book producer and editor was able to just put all of us together, running multiple events,、um, recording the show, transcribing, editing, and. Just an amazing thing, and we publish actually early. I know many people wanted to write a book. They start dragging out. They they become so critical about what they write, and they just left on the shelf and never going to the publisher. We're just like, it will get done. It need to be said, and we published early in February because at that time also has a, a lot of anti. Asian hate crimes going on, and since that happened, I also represented my national chapter in、uh, AAPA, the American Academy of Physicians and Associates, to have a Instagram live interviewing other medical professionals who are Asians. Have you been affected by everything that's going on? Right. So it's a good momentum to say it. it it's not just black. Life matters, not just Asian life matters. Hispanic, no matter what, everyone matters, and everybody's culture play into a role. But we are not defined by a role. We're defined by who we are as a person and how you wanted to show up. So the book, each chapter is one of the author's story, and it's really from science, medicine, law, engineering,、um, movie producers,、uh, nutritionists.、Um, Uh, money coaches, like everybody, right? Like women, really, you can create your own path in life to become successful, no matter where you work. There are some people who are bad, abusive relationship. Some people got into drugs. Some people completely changed their career field. Right? I was a, a, one of the person who realized I was really burned out. I had to face that part of me to fall back in love to where I started. So. That's what we thought about this book: is that you can pick out something that will be connected to you, and realizing women are amazing, and we don't have to do it all, have it all, but we can be so clear on what exactly we want and get it. Absolutely, and、um, 
I think any woman should read this book. Um, you don't necessarily have to be Asian or any certain race or ethnicity. I think if you want to just hear stories about amazing women and their stories, um, then you should definitely check out this book. It's called Asian Women Who Boss Up. So please check it out. Um, and so I want to close out with a fun fact about you that I do with all of my guests. And so my question for you is, what is one goal that you have achieved that you are the most proud of? I think is that I realize what time freedom means to me and that I'm on my way to get that. Um, what that means is that for me, I know I love to travel. I love to attend to my own need while having a group support because I'm such an extrovert. I draw energy with people and I, I still love medicine. I still love to help people to elevate to that level. So I am now with travel job was a different feeling. Um, the idea of, I'm already started working on this, but the um, in the row is one week working on clinical medicine, one to two weeks working on business, and then the rest of one week will be travel for business and fun. So mostly it's going to be the fun part. Um, the past year and a half, I've been traveling every month. Um, even if it's for business, I will do two days before or after just to explore, just to hang out with friends and make a trip out of it. Oh, that's awesome. I love to hear that. And I think a lot of people, especially when they're traveling for business, it's super strict timelines and schedules and only business and fly home immediately. And so I love your idea of, you know, implementing some personal time um, to these trips and to travel. So that's amazing. Um, and so where can we find you on social media? Where can we follow what you're doing and what you're working on? Yeah, I'm very active on LinkedIn and Instagram. So my handle is my phone name, Sabrina Rumback. And for anybody who's interested in the book, I actually give out autographed book and with two bonuses. So you can go to sabrinarumback.com forward slash boss up because I know all women, you can truly boss up in every area of your life and you don't have to feel like you got to have be the best in everything. Um, and um, yeah, anybody who would like to chat with me, feel free to just um, drop me a private message on LinkedIn or Instagram. Awesome. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for speaking with me today and sharing all the insight that you have. You are so intelligent and just hearing you speak and learning from you has been so special. So thank you so much. No, my pleasure to even have you here with me and with all the ladies who are listening. Mm -hmm.